This is Isaac Smith, and you're listening to Next Level E-Commerce Favorites. While I'm busy working on recording new episodes for you, we're taking a break from publishing new episodes. Now, I said in previous episodes I'd be back in October, and then I said November. Uh, Anyway, I've decided that the holiday season, which is what we're entering now, really wouldn't be the best time to publish new episodes, so we're going to move it to January. I hope you guys are cool with that. You can expect great new content then. In the meantime, if you haven't listened to every episode, you're missing out on some great stories. And even if you have, these are worth revisiting, even for me, actually. This episode of Next Level E-Commerce is brought to you by Ian Bond of Professional Website Investors. Ian's been an inspiration to me, which is why he's been on the show three times now. Ian works one-on-one with executives seeking to acquire cash-flowing e-commerce sites through a high-end coaching program with very limited capacity. He has personally acquired over 20 e-commerce sites, so if you want someone with experience to help you acquire your next cash-producing asset, get in touch with Ian at ianbond at professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. Also, He and his buyers from his coaching program are always looking for businesses. So if you're looking to exit your e-commerce business, and I know I've talked with quite a few of you who are recently, get in touch with Ian. He and his group are interested in sites that are established, but are also open to younger sites that are revenue producing, which may or may not meet the criteria for some of the well-known brokers in the space. You know what I'm talking about. Um, So, if you're having difficulty listing on some other uh, brokerage sites or you don't meet the requirements because the site is too new or too small, right? get in touch with Ian. Plus, you can save the broker commission by going direct. Uh, And on a personal note, Ian is the guy that I've been sending people to when they tell me they're interested in selling. This has been true since long before he's been sponsoring. I've been telling people to go to him for years. Uh, So if you're interested, contact Ian directly at ianbond at professionalwebsiteinvestors.com. Now, let's start the show. Today on Next Level E-Commerce. What's riskier? Not growing and just sitting in your comfort zone and having the thought of what if hanging over your head all the time or actually just doing it yourself? And for me, it's doing nothing. You're listening to Next Level E-Commerce. Each week, we feature inspiring stories from entrepreneurs who have taken their business to the next level. They share successes and failures and what kept them going when they felt like giving up. And here's your host, Isaac Smith. Thank you for joining me for episode 38. In this episode, we're taking a second look at one of my original inspirations. You may be familiar with the saying, the more I learn, the less I know. That applies to a lot of things in life, but can it be applied to a single book? Or maybe that's just what makes a book good, that there's always more to learn. Today, we're talking about a true entrepreneur's classic read. Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and also his lesser-known follow-up, Cashflow Quadrant. 
Robert Kiyosaki was an early inspiration for both my guest today and me. And now that we've been in this journey for several years, we're taking a second look and finding out what we can learn a second time around. Were we able to squeeze out all the good nuggets the first time? You'll find out in a minute. My guest today is my good friend, Matt Scott. He's been an inspiration for me over the years, and today you're going to hear his story as well. This episode of Next Level E-Commerce is brought to you by Summit E-Commerce Advisors. That's my company. We do bookkeeping and cash management for e-commerce companies. And if your books are a mess right now, later on in the show, I'll tell you how you can get a free strategy session to figure out exactly what you need to do to clean them up and get moving forward. Like so many of my good friends in e-commerce, I met today's guest, Matt Scott, through Dropship Lifestyle. It was actually at a retreat in Hawaii. And if you don't know, Dropship Lifestyle is a course that teaches you how to build a dropshipping business. And both of us got our start in about 2014. Matt and I had an easy connection early on because unlike a lot of entrepreneurs in the e-commerce space, we both had families. And actually, we both had blogs that focused on what it's like to build a business when you have a family. In today's episode, we talk about the next steps for an entrepreneur who has seen some success in business. And this isn't just pie-in-the-sky thinking. This is really what both Matt and I have been thinking about for ourselves. Do you double down and keep hustling on the thing that got you where you are? Or do you take a step back and reassess and invest into other opportunities? You can find links to everything we discuss in our show notes at nextlevelecommerce.co slash 38. And now, here's Matt Scott. I was never really over, you know, content with my life's trajectory. So, you know, you, you might be in a job and you can see, all right, if I work if I work harder, I might be able to attain to become, you know, a manager or have a senior role within that business or a like business. But that didn't really appeal to me. And I, I never knew what the answer was. And then somehow I stumbled across online business and, you know, then found uh, Dropship Lifestyle and went through that course, much like what you did. And yeah, I guess, you know, fast forward six years later. Man, it's crazy to even say it out like that. Yeah. Six years, it's gone so quick. But fast forward six years later and I've got a team uh, of just under 10 people now. We've got, yeah, as you said, an existing warehouse and we've just leased the one across the road because we're, we're growing. And yeah, things are, things are good. It's a very, very different lifestyle than what I had, you know, when I had a, when I had a job. That's awesome, man. That's really exciting to see, you know, how far you've come. And six years seems like a long time, but it's not really that long. And you're right. You're it's, right. It's exactly. Really cool. And you, I, I do think about that quite a bit, actually. Like, and, and I've heard that people commonly you know, misjudge what they can achieve in you know, X amount of time. So mm. it kind of ties into that, you know what I mean? Like we think you know, six years you know, is such a long time, but you know, it's not really that long. Uh, but then you know, a lot of people go you know, by the end of this year, I want to be able to achieve X. And, you know, they might send, you know, set these goals. 
I think the, the quote something goes along the lines of, you know, most people underestimate what they can get done in three years and overestimate what they can get done in one year. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. There's like no way I could have done what I've done now in, you know, any space shorter. But when you look at it over a year, like the, the timeline of six years, it, you know, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a fair bit that we've, uh, that we've achieved here. Yeah. Yeah, it's really if cool. That and, makes and, sense. Yeah, and <laughs> and I was just thinking. It occurred to me that you know I was in architecture before all of this, and I re- just realized, oh, it took me six years to get my architecture degree. Oh wow! Oh. There we go. Yeah, six years at school. Hmm. <laughs> so if you think about that, six years. Then I, after six years, I was at zero. I was not. I graduated college. I hadn't hadn't gotten a job yet. Or even and, negative, you might have carried oh, yeah, on debt. Like yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm still paying that off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is like 15 years later, and yeah. and you know my first job, you know I thought it was pretty decent pay first year out of college, but you know to think about that and compare with you know what I've learned in the last six years, I actually thought that we, I thought that you had started after me, but. It sounds like it's about the same time frame. Yeah, around about 2014, I think it was when I mm-hmm. was first when I first started with Dropship Lifestyle. I mean, I'd started dabbling in an online business around that time. Like again, mm-hmm. I can't remember exact dates, but I think it was yeah, 2014 ish. And yeah, I, I dabbled in a little bit of affiliate marketing, and you know, I, I'd researched a whole heap of other online business models, but didn't. I, I guess go after them. I didn't actively build anything, but yeah, I, I, I did a bit of drop shipping, then went to affiliate marketing, then came back to drop shipping, and then it was in mm. 2016 that I went full time, quit my job, actually packed up my family, sold my house, moved overseas for a little while, and yeah, yeah and 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 yeah, went went, went full time working for myself. That's awesome, and I love that you did that too. You take take your family overseas that's really cool it was cool it was something that was a great experience we we in this industry you uh, you hear a lot of people going to chiang mai in thailand and and the seed sort of gets planted in your head as mm-hmm. you know that's sort of like the place you've got to go you know and yeah. uh so we thought you know why not why not you know give it a go you know why not try try our luck and, and see how we go because at the time if I was to leave my job, my business, so my dropshipping business, still wasn't yet at a stage where it could support our current, our current lifestyle and our current costs. If we were to stay in Australia and you know keep the mortgage on the on the house and and whatnot, so obviously living overseas, it's a little bit cheaper, and so it was that it was that sort of fast track and and a bit of adventure that we that I. That I somehow convinced my wife to agree to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can re- sort of relate to that. You know, I didn't, I didn't take my family overseas, but I, I can somehow, I convinced my wife that we should both quit our good paying jobs, sell our condo, sell 
everything we have and drive across the country to move into my parents' house, you know? <laughs> of course, you didn't, you didn't uh, articulate it like that because <laughs> yeah. you would have used some other creative words and, and phrasing, I think, because if you say it like that, yeah. it sounds crazy. <laughs> Trust me, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think thinking back to when I first posed the idea to my wife as well I must have framed it in a really creative way for her to actually agree to it <laughs> but it was yeah. good it was a great experience you know on on Facebook and we, we keep our Google photos on Google photos so sometimes it brings up the memories from you know a year ago or three years mm. ago and they pop up and it's good it brings a smile to my face every time I see it and I think look that was an amazing time and something that was really scary to do you're like yes i was posing this to my wife as something that would be great and it'll be fine everything's worked out but at the same time it was a bit of a gamble like i wasn't nothing's a sure thing right you don't know if it's of course gonna work and you can only believe in yourself and, and do everything you can to try and make it work so it was scary as heck but it was also really good and i'm, I'm super glad that i did it yeah yeah that's cool uh, one thing that that I always thought was really cool was you left high school and you went out and you did your own thing, right? I, I left high school. I got a I got a year ten pass, and then I did a few months of year eleven. So my second last year of high school, and it just wasn't for me. I was uh, I think I was just ready for something else, like education. Like further education wasn't for me. I didn't see myself going to college or university. And I thought, you know, why not join the workforce? Why not start earning some money? I'd always been keen to work. Like the, the legal working age here in Australia at the time, I'm not sure if it is still now, but it was 14 years and, and nine months of age. And hmm. exactly on that, on that date when I was 14 years, nine months, I went out and I got a job. So I was always one to be nice, man. You know, really independent. Same with my driving license. I got my driving license the day I was legally allowed to get it. <laughs> and I guess that's sort of a theme that's carried on you know, throughout my life. Like, yes, I, I left high school pretty much as soon as I could to start working and gaining experience. And yeah, I, I guess yeah, once I got sick of the, the employee world, I, I think that's when I yeah, made the jump to become an employer or, you know, work for myself. I love that because, you know, if that's not what you think about when you hear someone didn't graduate high school, you know, there's usually it's like, uh Oh, trouble. Right. But, <laughs> but oh, there was know, a little bit of trouble in there, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, yeah, I love that you're, you're, you know what you want and you're like, no, this isn't for me. There's something else out there. I'm going to go get that. I thought, I, yeah, for sure. I think that's awesome. I'm the type of person that gets bored sitting down and doing nothing. Like when we have like a weekend at home or on a Sunday, we've got nothing to do. I might sit down on the couch for like 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, what's next? What are we doing? Hmm. What can I, what can I do? What can I occupy myself with? And I think it's, it's, it's been, yeah, consistent throughout my life. Like I, I just can't, do I just can't do nothing I've always got to be doing something always got to be working towards something that's mm -hmm. what fulfills my my mind and and you know what what makes me feel like I'm I'm being productive and it's the same it's the same in business as well like I'm not really content with the business just sort of ticking over and, and you know 
meeting the same revenue goals as the previous month. Like I'm always, even subconsciously, like I'll dream about things I can do to improve the business and improve myself. So mm. it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. As yeah. much as I would like to just lie down on the couch some days, I think I, like, the idea of it sounds great, but I do it for like 10 minutes and I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. And I, I love that, that entrepreneurship brings out people, like-minded people. So we're, you know, mm. people who are out here making things happen or driven, you know, we, we have different personalities, but there's, a, there's one thing that connects us and that's, I don't really know what it is at the core, but just the, is it optimism or just thinking that we can do something cool? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's a word for it or there's not really any one thing. It might be like a bunch of different traits that people have in common that, yeah, and it attracts you. It almost makes you stand out or you see other people as standing out against the crowd, you know, like they, they have something that that you want that you can feed off as well. Like when you actively have a conversation with them, like what you and I have, a con- like you and I here having a conversation, we can relate and talk about the same things, and we can share knowledge with each other, which is which is really cool. And you don't get that with a lot of people in the employee mindset who are just you know content with getting up every day and doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes when you were talking about how you 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 don't you don't like to sit still or you don't like to do nothing. How does that translate into working? I know when you're when you're sitting at a computer, you're making things ha- things happen. But does that start to bother you? How, how are you okay sitting at your desk working for days? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, at the moment, my. My, my typical day, and this has changed a lot over the past six years in what my day looks like. And, but at the moment, what it typically looks like is I will, I'll get into the office here around about 8 a.m. in the morning and my office is attached to my warehouse. So we've got like a, a little office and showroom and the warehouse is sort of out the back of that. So at the moment, I'm still, you know, coming in here every day and, you know, I open the place up and I'm sort of only dealing with the high-level things in the business at the moment. The way I've got things set up is I've got an operations manager and then underneath her, I've got a sales manager and then I've got my staff underneath those two people. So most of the issues that come up with the business can be handled by the team. I'm also, I've also got a kid in here in the warehouse now, you know, picking orders for me. So I don't actually have to go out and pick orders much anymore. So I, I, I do get the ability to spend most of my day at my, at my, at my desk, but there are some things, you know, that I still have to do, you know, out, outside of that. Like I still do have to go into the warehouse to do a, you know, certain things on one of our forklifts, for example. And so that gets, you know, that sort of breaks the day up a little bit. Otherwise I might be, well, at the moment, actually, we're, we're moving to a new help desk system. So I'm deeply entrenched in making sure that's going to be working well. It's, it's not really the same thing over and over again every day, which is mm. sort of what I'm trying to get at. You know, yeah. I'm not sort of years ago, it was, you know, I was just answering emails or answering the phone and it was becomes a monotonous and I'll get bored of it. So then I'd hire someone to do that for me, you know. But at the moment, it's sort of more of the more of the higher level things like, you know this new help desk system that we're implementing or, you know, what new advertising 
you know, strategy can we test and implement or what's our plan going to be for the next, you know, next quarter or next, next 12 months type of thing. Good for you, man. That's, that's so great to hear. You know, I know you've, you've done a lot of team building and, but to hear that, wow, you really have pulled yourself out of the day to day is, I mean, that's awesome, man. Congrats. Well, that's my, I guess my long-term, well, you know, medium to long-term goal now is to get to a stage where the business can run without me. It can actually run better when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still a while away from that. There's still a few things that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the bottleneck there and I think my team has to grow a little bit more before I can do that. But I'd love to be able to get to a stage where, you know, I can pop my head in, you know, twice or three times a week, make sure everything's running fine. And then also just work with my top level people to grow the business, but then have spare time to be able to invest. So invest in maybe purchasing additional businesses, which could complement my existing businesses or invest in, you know, other income generating, you know, models. So that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really exciting. I think, I think that's where, I think that's where we should all be going. And, and that's certainly, you know, I've just started a, a new business recently, but you know, that's where I want to go, you know, and I think for people who, who aren't there yet, that's, that's really got to be a, a, a big goal or a milestone along the way. Definitely. And I see a lot of people, you know, get to the stage where they've, they've worked so hard to free themselves of being an employee and they, they create this, this business, which is great, but then they get stuck for whatever reason, you know, and, and really all they've done is created themselves another job. They're, mm-hmm. they're still an employee, but they are employee for their own business. And yes, that might, you know, come with its freedoms and whatnot, but you're still not, you still don't have complete control of your time. Like you're, you know, tied to having to show up every day to do, you know, whatever tasks it is you've assigned for yourself to do in your business. And look, a lot of people might be happy with that and a lot of people can be happy with that. That's, that's, that's fine. But for me, I, I, I want time freedom and financial freedom. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit more than that. Yeah. So let's, let's mention a, a little bit. We don't have to go through the entire story, but so you have a few stores, started out drop shipping and then eventually decided to stock your own product products. And so mm-hmm. what, what does your business look like now? So we've got three online e-commerce stores that are in complete separate niches and we import products for two of those three stores. So we import and warehouse our own brand of products for two of those three stores and that's part of the reason why we've got this additional warehouse across the road from us now because we've realized that although dropshipping is great, you still don't have control over the whole process and therefore you are susceptible to, you know, th- you know a lot of things which could, which could negatively impact your business. So mm-hmm. with, a lot, with some of our dropshipping suppliers, they might not forecast their inventory correctly and go out of stock on a best seller for six months. And, mm. that, and this is something that happened to a lot of people that I know. All of a sudden, 
out of nowhere, their supplier will say, yeah, look, I'm really sorry, but we don't have any of, the, of X anymore and it's going to be six months until we get more of them. And that could be a huge chunk of your revenue that is just, you know, just, just gone, nothing you can do about it. And also, you know, there's, there's a lot of problems with, with, with shipping, for example. Like some of our suppliers are great, but there's always the problem of, you know, did it actually get shipped out? Was the correct item shipped out? You know, things like that. So if we can warehouse and distribute our own products, we have full control over the inventory, the shipping, and then also something I forgot to mention there was also the, the design and functionality as well. Like we're getting a whole heap of feedback from our customers on, on the products that we sell, like our suppliers products, and they're saying, you know, look, it would be good, but, you know, this this one part of this product, you know, isn't isn't really strong and it breaks a lot or, you know, it'd be great if it come in this colour or, or whatnot. And by being the by being the um, supplier as well, you know, by importing our own products, we can completely control that and bring new products to the market that, that the market's been asking for. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how I love how the the journey is you know, one thing is built on another, on another. And mm-hmm. so are you, these products that you're, you're importing and, and warehousing, are they, are they some of them your brand? Are they all your brand or how, what's that uh, look Good like? Good question. Yeah. So they are, they're all our brand. We, we do actually warehouse some of our suppliers' products as well, only because some of our suppliers actually don't work with dropshippers at all. So by having our own warehouse, we have the ability to stock products to where our where our competitors can't. So we do have a small portion of our warehouse dedicated to yeah suppliers' products, but our own products yeah they're completely our own brand. So a lot of them are, are a white label type of products that we source from suppliers in China. That uh, they may already be on the market and be available for for white labeling, so it's just a like a standard type of product, and we can just put our our logo on it and call it ours. And when we import it, uh, but after we work with our suppliers for overseas for a while, we often work with them to create unique products, which is what I was sort of referring to before, where you know the market's asking for you know this type of product, but it's just not not around yet so we'll work with our supplier to create a completely unique product that we think the market wants and then that's completely ours very cool yeah that i I love that because you're you're using you're using what you've learned in your business to build onto your business in new new ways and a slightly different model and iterating based on feedback i mean that's yeah that's amazing and that's really what every business should do yeah. <laughs> if they want to be successful, no matter what the business is. You know, you should listen to the market, listen to your customers, and you should evolve and adapt, you know, yeah. to, to, to please them. And if you're not doing that, then, you know, they're going to find someone that will. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about you, you briefly sort of mentioned you're thinking about what's, what's next, what, what you want to do now that you have uh, your time mostly freed up to think about the big picture. Where do you want to see your business go or your investments go or what you want, what you want your life to look like? 
Hey, we're going to take a quick break with a word from today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Summit Ecommerce Advisors, which of course is my company. We do bookkeeping and cash management for e-commerce businesses. And for a limited time, we're offering a no-cost bookkeeping strategy session. So what is this and why are we offering it? Well, you may recall that I recently hosted the Survive and Thrive e-commerce summit where we had 48 speakers at the top of their game and over 900 attendees. And the number one theme that came up over and over was the critical importance, especially right now, of managing your finances and your cash flow. And you cannot do that if your bookkeeping is not in order. Right now is the time to be looking monthly or even weekly at costs you can trim, product lines that are underperforming or doing really well, and optimizing based on your numbers. So that leads me to the number one thing that I hear. People tell me, Isaac, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I have some books, but they're a mess. They're old. They're out of date. What can I do? That's why we're offering this strategy session with me. And I'll walk you through what you need to do to get your books set up so that you can make these decisions and improve your finances. So to get your no-cost bookkeeping strategy session with me that's happening for a limited time, go to nextlevelecommerce.co slash books. Again, that's nextlevelecommerce.co slash books. And of course, I'll have the link in the show notes. And now, back to the show. It's a really good question as well. And I'm not sure just yet. And that's sort of what I'm, where I'm at at the moment. I'm, that's what I'm trying to find out. I, I currently don't have as much time in my day as what I'd like to. Like I'm still struggling to find more hours in the day, unfortunately. So, yeah, I've got a little while to go before I can you know, have my businesses you know, running themselves but once they once they get there, I'm not sure. It's it's what I'm actually educating myself on at the moment. So I've I've reread Rich Dad Poor Dad and the Robert Kiyosaki's second book, The Cashflow Quadrant. I've just purchased the the Cashflow Game so I can educate myself more in you know the the fundamentals of investing. Nice. Started you know reading books on the the stock market. I'm going to a a real estate investing seminar next month here. Mm. So I guess I'm just trying to find out what that next step is and and educate myself as much as I can now so that when I do get to that stage, I'm prepared. You know, I'm I'm going into it with a game plan. I'm not going into a blind, you know, with with, with a bunch of money in my pocket ready to give away and not to see it come back. I want, you know, my money to be working for me. That's awesome. And uh, it's interesting. It's funny. You, you bring up the rich dad books and we talked a little bit about this a while ago, how you're, you're sort of thinking about this stuff. And and I thought it was, it was funny because when I sold my business back in March, at the end of March, uh, I did the same thing. I went and I reread those books and it's funny because my the rich dad poor dad book especially had probably the biggest impact on me of any business book or entrepreneurship book or just 
any book like that in yeah. terms of my mindset. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and rereading it, I was surprised to find I'm seeing it in a different light now. And so what was that experience? experience for you rereading a book that because you read you you mentioned you read that quite a while ago before right yeah i did i, I read it when i was first going i think i'd probably like you could call it my phase one when i was going from an employee to leaving my job and you know uh being self-employed i went through a similar phase where i was you know really heavy on education really like educating myself a lot when i read you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Tim Ferriss' A 4-Hour Workweek and a lot of those fundamental type books that a lot of people read to get started mm-hmm. on this journey. And, yeah, you're right. Like when I re... Well, I actually listened to the audiobook. When I re-listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad again, it had been, yeah, like five or six years or even longer, probably six or seven actually, six or seven years till I, since I listened to it the first time. And, yeah, I think I did. I, I got a whole different perspective out of it because I wasn't – the first time was more about learning, okay, this is a liability and this is an asset and what everyone tends to do is collect more liabilities and assets and the number one rule is, you know, cash flow. So they're, they're like the main fundamental things that I understood the first time. And the second time I listened to it was sort of, you know, building on those things, you know, more about like the, the, the strategy and, and, and where to, you know, where to start. That's why I think the first book was great to reread just to get the, you know, that message back through. But then the second book, Cashflow Quadrant, I found that super valuable this time, which I didn't actually read the first time around. But I, and, and I'm glad I didn't because I probably wouldn't have understood or really could relate to a lot of those principles whereas this time this time I definitely can yeah similar experience for me and and I also listened to the audiobook and the second time around I this this whole idea I think I understood the that the asset part of it a lot more Mm -hmm. that I have for my whole life actually I had wondered about savings you know people t- yes. always talk about, you know, you have to have your savings. And, mm-hmm. and I always wondered about that. Well, I'm saving for my whole life for what? You know, to go on a yeah. vacation, to buy a car. What am I saving for? And yeah. I, I, and I didn't, I don't, I still don't doubt that that's a good thing, but like, what do you, what's the end of that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's probably one of the big things I took away as well. You know, yes, you know, I guess for a lot of uh, a lot of people, had just having savings might be okay, but they should be making that money work for them. It doesn't it doesn't work for you when when that's just sitting in a bank earning minimal interest for you. You know, you should be investing that into a cash producing asset. That was the big thing that just kept, you know, getting hammered into me into my brain this the second time around yeah is that you should continually invest in cash producing assets yeah that's just like the, the main theme and because it can be quite easy to get caught up in keeping up with the joneses right like you see your neighbor get a new car or you know you want to you, you see you know your business doing well and think oh maybe we can upgrade our house or you know but 
those things are all liabilities and that's and and it's it's almost going against the grain to to go no i don't need to purchase something just to make mm-hmm. myself feel good i need to purchase things that will you know grow grow my portfolio yeah yeah that's that was my takeaway this time was um that these these assets i i don't i don't need a huge savings account that never gets spent yes mm-hmm. i need to have some savings for you know say like emergency fund or whatever but yeah but the the whole point of savings is so that you can invest in cash producing assets that's exactly that was a big like oh wow i didn't quite get that the first time years ago yeah yeah for sure and it's still not taught in schools at least here in australia and probably yeah. most places of the world you know financial financial literacy is is not a subject in schools and it's something we should never stop learning about and that's mm-hmm. probably another thing which was really a really a big takeaway this this second time is yeah but like education being financially educated is more important than than than, than almost anything else you know like if you understand and if you you know if you know what to look for if you know what to do then that's that's massively important versus you know not being educated in in, in you know in personal finances and in business finances yet it's not something that's taught in schools right it's crazy i know it's insane when you think about it like oh my gosh just the idea of credit cards and what 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 how do they work <laughs> you know yeah so many people aren't d- d- still don't know they're adults and they yeah. don't understand They've been around since like the eighties, so you know why? <laughs> why don't we know about them yet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it, it it doesn't make sense, and that's why a lot of people get get stuck. Even highly educated people who might be educated in you know in a certain field, like a you know like a doctor or a lawyer or someone, they can still be terrible money managers and be completely financially literate, and you know eventually go broke really easily because they just don't know what to do with with their with with their you know with their assets and their income yeah there's another thing another concept that that really hit me hard this time was he talks a lot about like this this idea of educating yourself and the idea of something uh, an investment that everyone says is risky and is risky for some people but yeah. for him because he has an extremely deep understanding of that market, it's not risky. And, and, exactly. and that, that really, I pondered that for a long time. And, and he kept talking in the books about how, you know, most people are getting, you know, such and such, you know, they're happy with a, what sounds like a low return rate. And I don't want to get into numbers and stuff because I think that'll... Mm distract but you know he's then he talks about how he gets on some of his investments very high return like shockingly high returns and and i'm reading this and i'm wondering how do you find this stuff and he gives examples but i don't know really and so what what really i'm starting to realize is as i'm thinking about you know, learning about investing. I know nothing about investing. 
as I'm starting to slowly learn a little bit and I'm thinking, hmm, that doesn't, it sounds interesting, but it doesn't seem like what he's saying that we should go after. And what I realize over time is actually there is one area that I think I do have an advantage and that's e-commerce business. Yeah, you know, for buying sure. e-commerce businesses, you know, that's an area that I have a pretty deep understanding in. And I'm, I'm not saying like I'm a super pro or I know everything, but you know, I know a lot You've more than the, the average for person. A while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that could be a, a good asset class. I don't know what, you, what are your thoughts on that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I remember in the in in one of the books, Robert Kiyosaki was saying the same thing, like. He is a, and his wife, they're both experts in a certain type of real estate class. I think it was like, you know, it might have been like 50, 50 room apartment buildings or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was an expert in. But if there was an investment opportunity for, you know, another type of asset class, so whether it's stocks or whether it's, yeah, like investing in maybe, you know, like what we are working, like online business, or you know something that he wasn't as as experienced in. That's when he relies on his advisors and people that he 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 works with very very closely. Because yeah, as you say, like you know, we're we're only really experts in one one field or one or two fields. But it's super important to have those people in your in your team, so to speak, mm. who who are who are experts in those fields and you can rely on their advice as well, who are massively, you know, more educated in those fields than what you are. So that's something that stood out to me as super important as well. You know, it's, you know, you you can't just go out and say, look, I'm an investor and I do, you know, this, 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 and this, and this, you know, you you won't be successful. You know, you've got to, you've got, you've got to hone your skills in, in, in one area that you, that you like, that you're competent in. And also, you know, have the right people around you to be able to make, you know, uh, informed decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So that's the plan anyway. So (laughs) I'm talking like, 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 you know, I'm an expert in all this, but, you know, honestly for me, it's just the idea at this stage and I'm still, you know, in early stages of, 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 of education, much like what you said you were. And this is what's exciting to me at the, at the moment. You know, you, you tend to talk about what's what's exciting to you, and mm-hmm. you know, this is where I'm at at the moment, and this is what I'm looking forward to in the next, you know, two, three, five years. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, it's kind of like when we were starting out in e-commerce. Like, I I, <laughs> I think I may have over. We were talking about convincing our wives to make this huge leap. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I, I over, I oversold it, <laughs> you know, like we're going to be so rich in two, yeah. two or three months, you know, like, uh, exactly. But, yeah. You know, I'm, pr- I'm guilty of that as well. That's why we, we, we only lasted overseas for about three months before moving back to Australia. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I see it as like, you know, I'm on the one hand, I'm happy with what I've done. On the other hand, I'm really impatient and I'm disappointed in myself for having taken so long. But, you know, that's just how it goes. And so when I when yeah. I think about that next step, whether it's I'm starting a new business and, you know, as far 
far as thinking about investing or building these assets. Like you said, you need that you need that team of advisors. So just we I know that if I'm going down that path, that's gonna similar to e-commerce, that's gonna be its own journey in and of itself. It's gonna take a while before Definitely. I know enough and I have and I've met the right people, developed those relationships. Um, Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. And actually, the other thing that I have, have sort of, the other idea that I've been playing around with as well is that the knowledge that we have as e-commerce business owners, that can also be shared with static businesses so like your local businesses right Mm. so like a lot of the time like they still have customers walking in the door they still have to you know either sell a product or a service and have a happy customer at the end of the day but a lot of the time with static local businesses they you know they're not evolving as fast as what an online business would especially e-commerce like we're really aware of what our competition is doing and what everyone else is doing in the market because it changes so quickly versus a, you know, a local business doesn't really change that fast. And I, I think that there could potentially be opportunities to invest in local businesses and then apply what we know from the online world into those to grow them really quickly and yeah. you know, either keep them as assets, you know, you know, we, you and I are both big on systems. So, I bet there would probably be a lot of local businesses that would be for sale for a, a reasonable amount that you could plug in your our marketing knowledge and our system knowledge and you know maybe even get VAs to do some of the tasks that they have local people doing perhaps and turn that into like a really profitable business. So that's something that's also exciting me at the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how are you going to decide what to do? <laughs> You've got so many great ideas. <laughs> I, I, this is just a small fraction of the of the mess that rattles around in my head yeah. <laughs> every day. This is the constant battle. You know, where do you put your attention? So I don't know. I think it's just education at this stage. And when I know something's right, it's you know it, it kind of stands stands out as an, as an obvious decision that, that I can make. When I've gotten enough knowledge and, and I know, yeah, this is this is what's going to be right, then it's just, yep, I'm doing it. Let's let's go for it. Awesome. And look, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And yeah, try something else. Yeah, start small. Maybe if if you're buying a business, buy a small business. Maybe exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. We're find going find with someone who's done it before. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Find someone who's done it before. You know, get knowledge off them, get their advice, and so on. Do as much due diligence as I can. But then there's also a point where you can you can you can over-educate yourself. So I'm always wary of that. You know, getting to that sweet spot of enough information and enough time spent to make a decision which has my likelihood of success fairly high without you know missing good opportunities yeah 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 in in two of the interviews that i've had so far people have brought up the the book buy no not buy oh yeah yeah that was it (laughs) excuse me buy then build and it's all about how you know if you it's much better to buy a business than to start a business because and and Stephen, who's the owner of of my 
the new owner of my business, I had him on uh, the podcast and he, he told me, I asked him, why, why do you want to buy businesses? And he said, well, this book laid it out pretty clear. And he said, you know, if 99% of businesses fail, I want to buy the one that didn't. And I exactly. Thought, Man, that's a hard, that is really hard to argue with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you think about, you know, in the, in the courses that we've done, out of all the students who are actually vocal and confident enough to be able to say either yes, you know, my, my efforts were successful or no, they weren't. There's, there's a lot of people that actually say no, they weren't. Mm-hmm. And out of those people, a lot of them, you know, continue and eventually say, yes, you know, it took me a few attempts, but by the second or third or fourth one, I was successful. But then there's also all the ones that are silent that never say anything that probably, you know, tried it once or twice and it still didn't work for them. So you're definitely right. Yeah. Buying a business is, is, is a much wiser use of your, use of your, you know, time and money. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm I'm gonna say so I have decided that I'm gonna buy businesses from now on. But <laughs> I have I you did asked just <laughs> I did I am in the middle of starting a new business right now. So <laughs> so um, but then yeah, there's also those like ideas like with, yeah. with that business that you're starting at the moment. Like that was something that you know excited you excited you to no end, and there was nothing yeah. else out there like it. So yeah. there's always exceptions to the rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I do. One of my big plans is to be a co-owner in e-commerce stores specifically in the future, but not, not necessarily be in charge of operations. Definitely. Yeah. That's something I've thought about as well. Like maybe as long as the business had been around for long enough, you know, say ideally more than five years. And, you know, if there was a solid you know structure there, and you could bring some value to it, then yeah, definitely. Very cool, man. Well, hey, I know you're a busy guy. You got you've got a new warehouse to fill. So what what's going on over there? Have you just like just gotten the keys, or are yeah, you moving we, in? We, we just got the keys this week, and yeah, so we we've we've, we've got some actually we've got some really large products. And so we've put some of these large products inside this warehouse for the time being, just to free up some space in our other one. But yeah, I've got some, I'm, I'm ordering containers now that will be, you know, producing stock that will sit on the shelves here. We've got the pallet racking getting installed next week. So it's getting there. It's a slow process. That's awesome. It's really exciting, man. I'm, I'm really happy for you. It is. It's exciting and it's scary. You know, of course, yeah. whenever you take on nothing nothing's cheap right and whenever you, i find myself in these situations when you, you go to the next sort of level of growth like you, it's it's scary when, when you're looking at it and you're thinking you're looking at the lease terms for the next two years and how much you'll have to pay out and you think oh wow like can we afford that you know do i really want to you know i really comfortable doing it but i always find myself looking back on it thinking yeah look i'm really glad i did that even if it doesn't always work out the way I originally envisioned it working out, you know, you sort of, you make it work along the way. There's some saying, uh, as I said, I'm terrible with sayings, but there's one out there where, you know, you should always, it's something about like living, living life where you're, you know, 
in between that, you know, just out of your comfort zone type of mm-hmm. thing. So it's uh, I enjoy being there sometimes and I enjoy stepping back sometimes as well and being comfortable for a little while. But uh, I'm at that yeah, stage at the moment, yeah, just outside my comfort zone. And it's, it's fun and it's exciting. Yeah. So how do you, because I know there's a lot of people who are could be listening and and maybe they've taken a few steps and this is next level e-commerce we're assuming everybody's doing pretty well already (laughs) but still taking that next step is scary like you said signing a lease so how do you how do you take that step what do you do to make yourself just keep going and go like this is scary and it it could all blow up but i'm going to do it anyway that's a good question i guess it comes down to what would be what would be like scary might not be the word, but you know what's what what's riskier not not growing and just sitting in your comfort zone and having the thought of what if for like hanging over your head all the time and then seeing your peers and other people do those things that you were originally you know scared of doing or actually just doing it yourself. And, you know, learning from the experience, whether it's positive or negative. And for me, it's, you know, doing nothing. As I said earlier on in, in, in our conversation, like doing nothing scares me more. I hate sitting still. I can't do it. So mm. that fear is probably greater than the fear of something going wrong. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. So... We're coming toward the end of our our time here. I want to thank you so much for for doing this with me. It's been so much fun uh, talking talking to you. Thanks so much for having me on the show, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So if anybody is um, curious what you're up to, wants to maybe learn more about what you're doing or wants to check out your old blog or something or just say hello, where, where would you send them? That's a good question. I'm really hard to get a hold of these days. <laughs> I like do have my old blog up that's still live. So, but mind you, it hasn't been updated in years. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's called lifestyleflipper.com. So, there are a few articles there that you might find some some value from. But yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, to be honest, I I don't even have Facebook anymore. I don't have instagram or anything else like that so i'm, I'm kind of hard to get hold of to be honest nice, <laughs> maybe man. uh maybe if someone wants to get hold of me they can uh, they can contact you and, and you know you can pass the message on. there we go i love it i love it do you know uh, you're you're reminding me of gary keller do you know who he is i don't know he's he's the the founder or co-founder whatever ceo of keller williams realty it's a big okay. uh, real estate company and he wrote one of my favorite books, The One Thing, and it's all about yes. planning. You know The One Thing? Yes, I do. I do know The One Thing, yes. Yep. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he is apparently notoriously impossible to get a hold of. So I love it. You're, you're, <laughs> you, you're building yourself out of your business. You're, you're, being the, you know, you're being the CEO and nobody can give, even get in touch with you. I love it. Sounds like it sounds like I'm this 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 recluse that just hides in a corner. <laughs> but yeah. no, honestly, I just you know, like I'm just not that much of a social media person. Awesome, but, man. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Oh, good, Isaac. Thanks so much, and uh, yeah, all the best, buddy. 
Huge thanks to Matt for sharing his story and giving us an insight into what's going on in his world. And you know, I was just thinking, we so often don't take the time to look back and see just how far we've come. You know, back when I was listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad in like, what, I don't know, 2013, 2012, imagining what someday I might get to do, I never would have guessed that I would have sold an e-commerce company and am now hosting a podcast where I get to talk to such amazing people. So normally at this point, I ask you to share this episode, but instead of doing that today, I just want to ask you to take a minute and look back and reflect on just how far you've come. Celebrate that win. Give yourself a little pat on the back and cut yourself some slack. Now I want to bring it back to what I was talking about at the top of the show. If your books are a mess and you're not sure what to do, you know you need to have better data, but you just don't know how to do it, or you're tired of doing it yourself and you want someone else to do it, Claim your no-cost bookkeeping strategy session with me where I'll tell you and I'll show you exactly what you need to do. Just go to nextlevelecommerce.co slash books. It happened again. One more episode in the bag. But if you just can't wait for next week's episode, we've got 37 more where this came from. Thank you for listening to Next Level E-Commerce. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out on the next story.